Um, I just happened to see a video on YouTube, which is um, where I live nowadays. Um, there was a video of a, um, I don't know who was in the car, but I'm going to guess a teenager. There was a, um, someone trying to get out of a parking space, and it was a 17-point turn to get out of the parking space, which should have taken four, but it um, took 17, I counted. And this is the life of what I'm about to enter when I help Emma started learning how to drive. This is where we're headed. With a stick shift. I want to teach her how to use a stick shift. She has to learn. You can, if you learn a stick, you can drive anything, right? Um, all right, I, I should tell something about it. Um, I hate backing up. I, I hate backing up. This is a small thing, but I really do hate it. Um, I, don't like, I don't like it. Um, in fact, I, I dislike it so much that when we go to the mall or we go anywhere, I will look for a spot where I can pull through. Even if it's 25 feet farther away than another spot, I don't like to park there. I want to park so I can pull through. I don't like backing up. <laughs> it's not natural. The way you have to back up is so primitive. You've got to do this, and you're looking back, and you can't see anything. And it's, Even with the camera, these new cars, I don't trust fully what I'm seeing on the camera. I just don't trust that. I still don't think we landed on the moon. So I'm, I'm not believing what I'm seeing is what I'm telling you. So I want to see it with my own eyes. So I don't, I just have to be honest. I don't like backing up. Backing up is from the devil. That's what I think. <laughs> have you, has anyone ever tried to back up a trailer? Yeah. See, see, isn't this the first response? Yeah. The, the trailer is, yeah, Mason, you probably do this every day. But to the rest of us, when we moved to Los Angeles, we had to tow our car. So I'm in the little box truck of budget, you know. And I, the first time I had to back up my trailer with a car... <laughs> kink. This isn't kink. This isn't. We're going straight. Every Cracker Barrel we turned into is like, if I can't find a spate, we're we're moving on. I'm going straight. This is how much I hate backing up. I don't I don't like it. And it's whether whether it's my football team or whether it's in life, I don't like going backwards. I just don't like it. I think there is nothing positive about going backwards to me. If I'm going backwards. That means I'm lost, or I've missed something, I have to relearn something. Something is not right if I'm going backwards. I'm getting out of something backwards. There's nothing good that comes out of going backwards. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about going backwards, but going backwards, <laughs> surprise, with God. And I'm not talking about um, regressing in a relationship with God or or. Um, going backwards in, in how we deal with God. I'm really, what I'm talking about is going backwards when we travel with God. Our lives with God. Going backwards. There are seasons in our life where we feel compelled to pray for something or move in a certain way. We feel God's leading us to do this, even to act out in a way, uh, because God is, is speaking us to do this. And then when we start doing this, there is a literal moving backwards once we start this. A moving away from where we feel that God is leading us towards. And it's not just in my head I feel like I'm not. You can actually literally mark it. There are seasons in our life when this happens. And when this happens, when we see things moving away from where we feel God is supposedly taking us, or I'm supposed to be praying this way, and we're moving away... It throws open the door inside of us of something is wrong. And klaxons go off inside of us. I am screwing up in some way. 
because I'm moving backwards. Backwards is not forwards. It's not, it's not um, positive. We're moving away. Now, this morning, I want to challenge all of us to think a little bit differently about going backwards. But here's the good news. See, I don't think the word backwards appears in God's vocabulary. I don't think backwards is the same to God as it is to us. I don't think God moves backwards. God moves forward. Despite what we think and what we see in the natural, God is moving forward. That is his intention always. Now, there is a caveat to that. Are we willing to go with God in our lives? Are we willing to be obedient and go with him? And if we are, and our intention is, then we're moving forward. Despite what it looks like in our lives, God is moving forward. There is a grain of sand that I want to throw into our little shell here, this hole, with this thought process. And it is time. Time. There is an important difference between delay and backwards. See, with delay, it's, it's agonizing and it's excruciating when we pray for something, we stand on something, we feel God's going to move and he doesn't. Um, but nothing changes in the natural. And that can be excruciating in its own right, of course. But nothing changes. It's just delay. It's waiting. Backwards is this times <laughs> the other words, which is now all of a sudden, not only am I waiting, but I'm moving backwards, away from where I feel God leading me. I thought you told me to go here, and now I'm back here, and it's getting worse. I'm moving away. Imagine for a second that you, you got on a plane, and you're going somewhere, whether it's business or pleasure. You have your ticket, you're sitting in the seat, you push back, and you taxi. And you get out close to the runway, and then you stop. And then you stay there, and other planes pass you, and you have this sickening feeling, don't you, that it's only a matter of time. And then all of a sudden, this droll voice gets on. Yeah, we're not, um, there's a light that's not going on in the cockpit. We're going to have to go back. <laughs> and then you go back, right? From where you just were, you go back. Just on a side note, isn't this interesting where we... We will lash out at the FAA, right, when they're not doing what they want. There's planes that aren't working. Why is this happening? They should get their act together. But when we're on a plane and we got to go somewhere and the little right light doesn't come on, aren't we in the back seat going, can we just go without the, can we just go without the red light? Is it okay? i got to get to Chicago. Is it okay if the flux capacitor is not fluxing right now? Is that all right? So we go backwards, we go back to the gate, right, over ground we just got into, and then sometimes we have to actually get out of the plane, so now we're moving backwards all the way. Now the problem with this whole scenario is, on my ticket it says I'm going to be somewhere at 11 a.m. Now I'm not going to be there at 11 a.m., I don't know when I'm going to get there, so I'm late, and I have to make up this time. Right? When we deal with God, and we move backwards, we feel like, now I'm late. And now i got to make up this time because you're doing something up there that I don't understand. The flux capacitor isn't fluxing somewhere and now I'm behind. Right? I'm 49. I thought I would be somewhere different. I really did. I really did. 
I, I thought I would be somewhere different. And um, God has another plan. And that's something he's working out in my life. And I bet for a lot of you as well, in certain areas, God is moving you on a path that is yours and yours alone. The problem with this is when we put time on it, this transfers over, because we live in a life and a world that is all about time, right? Got to be here, got to have this done, this all works. Unfortunately, we transfer this over into our relationship with God and we start putting a time of arrival on things that we're doing with God. I thought I would be here. I thought this would be done. But who's doing this? We're doing this. See, with God, we never end up with a spreadsheet or a timesheet. We end up with a relationship. That's the difference. It's so much more deeper and richer. Problem is, we're left wondering, when are we going to get to Chicago? Because I thought we'd be there a lot sooner than we are now. And this is the dilemma. Because God very rarely tells us when. God says, pray for this person or pray for this situation, or move to this job, or go here and go there, and then everything starts turning backwards and getting worse, and then you think, did I hear this? Isn't this supposed to be through this now? It's not uncommon for us in our lives to think that God puts us in a holding pattern with things that we're praying about, we feel deeply about. It seems like we circle, doesn't it? In our mind, it feels like I'm circling where I need to be. And I, in the moment this happens, in the season that this happens is, what we feel in our spirit is, something is wrong. I've done something wrong. I've missed an exit. Or, the enemy loves to do this, he whispers to us and says, God's waiting on you. If you could just get your act together, God's ready to bless. You could enter the promised land, but for some reason you're dropping the ball. This sounds, when we're not in the middle of it, like, well, that's a little ridiculous. But when you're in, in it, this sounds like truth. You know what? Maybe I am screwing up in some way. Maybe it is on me and God's ready to work. He's perfect. I'm not. But what I forget and what I think we forget is that God is not in a holding pattern with this world or with us. God has a very precise schedule and he's working it out perfectly. Nobody just becomes president or dictator or leader of a country, whether you agree with them or not. It says clearly in the Bible that I open doors and I shut doors. I'm the one that does this. Right? So the world is spinning on God's timetable. God's. I want to show you a quick picture of this. Um, when God spoke to Abraham in um, Genesis 13, he's, or Genesis uh, 15, he says these words to Abraham. He says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. This was centuries before this even happened. God wasn't surprised what the Egyptians did to them. God wasn't looking at it, Pharaoh. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He knew exactly what was going on and he called it out. 
centuries ago. Look what he says in Exodus 12. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all of the Lord's forces left the land. You want to talk about precise? God had this date before time began. And nobody, even the most powerful nation on the planet, is going to alter God's destiny and God's words. Centuries before this happened, God said, you know what? This is going to happen, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And I got it all under control. And you know what? God's got a control in our lives as well. God has a moment, a day, a time picked for whatever you're walking through or praying through. God has it. But there is something going on in the middle of it. It's how we choose to see this time now. See, in the Bible, we see often, over and over and over again, God uses times of backwards to propel people, situations, nations forward. God uses backward to propel people forward. And oftentimes, a word of forward precedes a season of backward. If God has spoken to you about something in your future and you feel like you're going backwards, that is your anchor. God never forgets anything he said and he's always good with everything he said. Not one word God speaks drops to the ground unfulfilled. Not one. Problem is the timing of it all. The most famous people that we like to look at in the Bible spend times going backwards. Backwards. One of the most famous people in the Bible, famous people in the Bible, went backwards, was Moses. Moses, right? He had something going on inside him. He knew he wasn't an Egyptian. He knew he was a Hebrew. He knew something was called of him greater than that, right? So he determined himself to step into this. And then what did God do? He sent him out in the backside of the desert for 40 years, to say, start taking care of the sheep before I can start, you can start taking care of people. He spent time going backwards. Joseph, right? Joseph had dreams of authority. God's going to put me in authority. What did he do? He went backwards. He was in prison. And one of my most favorites is David. David was a teenager. One day, he's working out in the fields. He's tending sheep. And all of a sudden, he gets called to the house. Okay. He walks into the house, and he sees all his brothers lined up in a line. And he sees the most famous person in Israel in his living room. It's Samuel. And they're all looking at David, who smells wonderful at this moment. <laughs> And Samuel walks over to him and promptly anoints him king. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine walking, God walking up to you and pulling you out of your, your chemistry class in high school? And somebody saying, guess what? You're going to be president and it starts tomorrow. I mean, it was so jolting for him. Now, he's anointed oil, right? He's anointed. He already knows in his head we already have a king. And that's Saul. This is awkward. <laughs> and Samuel does his job, blesses the young man, and then gets in his car and goes back to Bethlehem. And then David's like, 
hi guys, looking at his brothers who didn't get what he wanted. And then he gets to go back to the ship to tending sheep with his head still wet from from oil. Right? It's a little confusing. Do you know in the Bible when they anointed kings, this was sudden. It was usually something was going to happen now. But in this case, it didn't. David went back, and then not only that, he ran from Saul, and he lived in caves. He went backwards for years, decades. He went backwards. Why does God do this? Why does God move us backwards? You put something on me. You told me to pray for something. I acted in faith, and now it's going backwards. Why is it that Chip has a dream for this church that he shares with us over and over again, and the numbers for the church are getting worse, not better? Why are people leaving? Why are people why why does God put a dream in my heart 30 years ago to be an actor, and here I am now at 49, where I am? Why did God put a dream with you? Why are you still praying over that issue? Why are we moving backwards? There's a few things that I want to look at quickly to show us why God uses backward. And the very first thing is, it's for his glory. For his glory. You remember the man named Gideon, right? Gideon was pulled out of nothing to do something for God. And God said, get some men together. We're going to take over these guys over here. So Gideon gets all of his men together. And then he says, God says this to him in Judges. He says, The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God moves us backwards for his own glory. Look what he says in Isaiah. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not share or give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carpeted idols. God is very particular about this. It is so easy for us to step in front of God and claim victory. We can do this every day. We do this on a small scale. And we can do this with our lives. We can't take our next breath without God. When I was 19, 20 years old, I had a full head of hair. I was living in New York. I was going on auditions. Things were looking up. People were paying attention to me. I told people in that moment of my life, I said, in three years, you're going to know my name. I said these words. God looked down at that moment and said, I don't know who you're talking to. (laughs) Moses did this um, late in the time with the Israelites. He had been performing miracles for, uh, with God's help with the Israelites. And then at one moment, Moses, and, and, and some reason you, you can't really blame him. The Israelites were just a piece of work. But after years and years and years of this, they said, where are we going to get water from? And Moses in his head is, you've been, you, have you not seen what God's been doing for us for years? So Moses, in a fit of anger, says, do I have to do this? Do I have to bring you water? He stepped in front of God. And struck the rock in anger. And that was incredibly costly in that moment. He presented himself as God to the Israelites. 
God sends us backwards so that when we arrive at a place through prayer or from uh, uh, when we actually arrive at a place that God has called over us, there's no way to explain it other than to say, God did this, right? When God is going to open the doors for me and what he's called on my life, there will be no explanation other than to say, with God, all things are possible. I should not be here. That's who it is. God gets the glory. There's another reason that God sends us backwards, and that's simply for our protection. In Exodus 13, he says this to the Israelites. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs along Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God sees the whole picture. We see nothing. There is very often God is not granting our request for X, Y, and Z because God is protecting us in a larger way. The Israelites had no idea. They, of course, there were some of those guys had road maps and the Israelites were like, wait a minute, this isn't the right way to go to the promised land. This is not the shortest way. But God was protecting them. And God is protecting you and I. His timing is perfect. We just can't see it. This one is one of my favorites, this next one, and it's called preparation. God is preparing you for what he's going to bring to you and me. In Psalm 105, he says this, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God knows where Joseph is going. At that moment, Joseph doesn't know he's going to be... uh, extend to the second most powerful person in the world he doesn't know that all he knows is he's stuck in a jail cell and God is testing him over and over again God is preparing you and I for what he's bringing us to and he's preparing this church God is so careful with what he gives what he gives to us His glory, his name is so precious to him that it's, do we really need to see his name drug through the mud again by someone that was exalted to a place of power and authority and then abused it? God is in preparation mode. When he moves us backwards, he's preparing us. Humility in God's kingdom He's so invaluable. Joseph, when he was arrogant and told his brothers, you all are going to be bowing down to me, even though he didn't fully understand the dream he was talking about, there was arrogance there. But how many years later, 10, 12, 15 years later, after sitting in a prison cell, there was no arrogance anymore. David slept in caves with a bunch of rabbles before he could leave Israel. There was not a whole lot of arrogance after that. Moses, humility is invaluable to God. And lastly, and this is one of the most wonderful things, that God moves us backwards because he's inviting us into a deeper, more precious relationship with him. Invitation. When John the Baptist came to know the Lord, it says he went and lived in the wilderness before he started his ministry. What was he doing out there? He was hanging out 
with God. When Paul came to know the Lord, it says he spent three years in Arabia before he started anything. What was he doing out there? He was hanging out with God. You know, we spend so much of our time in these uncomfortable seasons doing nothing but complaining and, and just writhing before God saying, when is the door going to open? When are you going to do what you're going to say? When God's standing beside us saying, I'd really like to hang out with you right now so that you can get to know me and not what I can do for you. Me as a person. It is invaluable. We try to rush this. In Psalm 66, he says this, I praise you. You don't have this, Taylor. It says, I praise you for who you are. Who you are, not what you can do for me. This is David writing and saying, it's not about what you do. And this can't be written until David passed through the caves because he finally found out who God is, how tender God is and how loving Who you are. And this comes when we change our perspective on the backwards and think, God is good. God only has good for me. God is perfect. God sees the whole place, the whole picture. God loves me and he's inviting me now into a deeper relationship with him. And we can lean into that or we can continue to complain and drag our feet. And it's so easy to do. We all fall into this. There's two words I want us to leave with today, and it's these two words are trust and release. Trust and release. There's a guy, and I've spoken about him before. His name is George Mueller. George Mueller was a pastor who lived in England in the late 1800s. Um, in the middle 1800s, he felt God put a call on him to build orphanages for kids and to run these orphanages. Problem was, George had no money. He had nothing. He felt a specific call on his life to not tell anyone about the needs that he had and to rely specifically on God and to take everything to God and God would provide. And somehow, amazingly, we got hold of George's diary. So all through his life, you see him writing about how difficult it is to go to God when there are kids that need food and he has no money. God, or, and George spent years and years on his face saying, God, this morning, the orphans have no food. It's not like I'm looking at a five-year plan. George had no money and no food for kids that morning. And amazingly, God would meet him every single day. Sometimes just enough, and sometimes enough for two days. But it kept George on his face. It's amazing. But I want to read a snippet of his diary. This, at the time of his writing, is 1874. George is, is late in his years now. He's probably in his 60s or 70s. And his, his whole enterprise has grown. But listen to these words. It has for months appeared to me as if the Lord meant by his dealings with us to bring us back to that state of things in which we were for more than 10 years from August of 1838 to August of 1849, when we had day by day, almost without interruption, to look to him for our daily supplies, and for a great part of the time, from meal to meal. 
The difficulties appeared to me indeed very great, as the institution is now 20 times larger than it was then. And our purchases are to be made in a wholesale way. But at the same time, I am comforted by the knowledge that God is aware of all this. And that if this way be for the glory of His name, and for the good of His church, and the unconverted world, I am, by His grace, willing to go through this. And to do it to the end of my course. Now listen to what he says. This is some of the needs that he had at this time in his life, which is in his 60s or 70s now. Remember, 30 years have passed since he was in that time of he had no food day to day. And now God took them back to this time. And this is what George says. I have 20, 2100 people, not only daily at the table... But with everything else to be provided for, and all the funds are gone. 189 missionaries to be assisted, and nothing whatever left. About 100 schools with about 9,000 scholars in them. To be entirely supported, and no means for them in hand. About 4 millions of tracts, and tens of thousands of copies of Holy Scriptures yearly now to be sent out. And all the money is expended. Invariably, however, with this probability before me, I have said to myself, listen now, he said, God who has raised up this work through me, God who has led me generally year after year to enlarge it, God who has supported this work now for more than 40 years will still help and will not suffer me to be confounded because I rely upon him. I commit the whole work to him. And he will provide me with what I need in the future also, though I know not whence the means are to come. I think that's otherworldly. He had 9,000 children and he had no money. They were looking to him to feed him or to feed them. Now, I want you to see in his diary entries, he never once, you never see George say, we have been here before. Why are you doing this, God? You don't see the complaining, the, the, the pointing of fingers at God, blaming God. What you see is, if you've done it before, you'll do it again. I've been here before, you did it here. It's not comfortable. He says that plainly throughout his diary. I don't like this necessarily, but you will lead us through. It's not comfortable to go backwards. It's not. Especially over ground that you've already been on. I've been here before. What did I not learn? Do you think that there's anything in George, in his diary entry, that God is saying, you didn't quite learn it, I'm going to take you back 30 years? No. But do you think that we're being blessed today because of George's faithfulness? Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are the seeds that God drops when our lives are faithful before him. And people hear about this. The more we struggle with God in the season that we're in, there is a more, it's more of a sign that we're not fully trusting where God is going and what God has of us and where he has us. If we don't know him, sorry, that's my time. I can be long-winded. Um, if we don't know him, we won't trust him. Right? 
So the invitation is, every day, every moment of every day, is to get to know him, to hang out with him in whatever season you're in. Praise him for who he is. If we don't know him, we won't trust him. If you don't know people, you won't trust people, right? It goes in our natural lives as well. If you read the Bible, you can see how tenderly he leads people. Look at how he cries out to the Israelites time and time again. He aches for them to just listen to him and go with him. He's doing that in our lives as well. There is a wonderful invitation for us to get deeper with Jesus inside these moments. There is the temptation for us to look at our lives and say, yes, but I came to God late in my life. I'm 30. What about the 30 years before? I could be so much farther along if I hadn't jacked around with my life for so long. Do you think that God didn't know this at all? God still has a plan. God has a plan. There's so many times that I went right when I know God was going to go left when I was in my 20s. I just just fooling around with my life. And I, th- I, I struggle sometimes when I think, God, could I be farther along because I was doing this? As if God was surprised. As if when I took a left, God was like, no, oh, that's, well, there's 10 years. <laughs> God's not surprised. God's not surprised. And God wastes nothing. God is the most economical being in the universe. He doesn't waste moments. Somehow God's going to use the 15 years I've been working at a theme park and God's going to use this. I'm not sure how, but he will. (laughs) Let me just leave you with one last thing. There is the struggle inside of us all when it goes longer and longer, when we're praying for a situation that's not turning, when we're acting out as God is, as we told, as God has led us to do, when we think, did I hear him at all? Did I mess up and this really wasn't God? This is a huge issue that the enemy will try to say, like he did with Eve, and it's still working. Are you sure God said this to you? And this is what I come back to. Because my first thought is, maybe the dream that I have here, and it hasn't worked out, maybe the dream is here, and I'm missing it, and I'm aiming too high. You know what I mean? But you can never outdream God. You can't. It says, the rivers of God will never run dry. You can't, if anything is Christians, we can under-ask. I think God in his heart is saying, bigger, bigger, bigger. When, when I was, you know, all through high school, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. And I would let no one tell me different. No one. It was in my heart and mind. I'm going to do this. Even my dad, who would come to see my games and he would try to sit me down and say, mm-hmm. 
I was no good. I really wasn't. I wasn't Jansen. I wasn't good. But there was something that I was holding on to that I wouldn't even let God talk me out of. But here's the thing. Did God have plans for me to be a professional baseball player? No. But here's what happened. God brought acting alongside in the very same moment that I had a baseball dream, which I thought there is nothing that can supersede this dream. Nothing. And God brought acting alongside of it. And in the same moment, this hand opened and this hand grabbed. It was, it was, it was in the same moment. It was in the moment that it was my senior year. I was about to make the team for the very first time. After four years of trying, I was going to make the team. And God brought acting alongside of it. And I'm for some bizarre supernatural reason. I'd never been on stage before. I decided to choose this. And from that moment, I'm promising you, from the moment I stepped on stage, everything changed. And I never looked back. Never. What I'm saying to you this morning is, if there is a dream or something that God's put in you or some direction God is leading you, don't fear that you're going in the wrong sense, unless it obviously it's, it's heretical or something it's like the Bible. But I'm saying keep going in that direction and don't give up. If God wants you to take another exit, he'll bring it alongside and he'll move it, he'll move it effortlessly that way. But don't give up. Don't. Stop praying for what you feel God has laid on you to do. Don't. I think that's one of Satan's greatest ploys, is to get us to stop praying or to give up. When we might be right there. All right, let me pray for us. Father, we praise your name this morning. God, we exalt you, Jesus We just pray for the word that you have spoken this morning. And I pray that you would cover it, Lord, in all of our hearts. Because the enemy will come and try to steal these words. And the wisdom that you're giving us this morning. May we cover it with our hands. God, may we pray over this. God, may you cover this in our heart. And help us hold on to the truth that you've spoken this morning, God. Thank you for reminding us again. Yet again, we are sheep, Father. And we need to be reminded over and over and over again. But God, we do praise your greatness and how big you are, Father. Forgive us that we put you in a box and we worry, God, when you control the solar system. Father, you are sovereign. Nothing happens outside of you, Father. Nothing. Help us trust you. Go deeper. We pray for every single person in this room, God, that is going through something, that is praying for something, that is walking out something, God. We just pray that today they would be encouraged, that we all would be encouraged, that you are right beside us. And whether the answer for all of us come today, tomorrow, two years from now, Father, you will be glorified and your timing is perfect. Perfect. So we praise you this morning. We love you, Jesus. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.